92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Hey everyone, this is Lisa and Nancy, and we are sitting outside the the park ranger offices at Pinnacles National Park, and it's this beautiful forested area. And I, you know what? If I'm going to actually go to work, I want my office here, don't you, Nancy? Oh, I know. Isn't it nice? <laughs> it's just beautiful. That's I don't know creepy. if I could work. I wouldn't. I don't know. <laughs> Be outside. <laughs> I know. We're sitting with park ranger Alicia Welch, and how do you get your work done? <laughs> yeah, I think my lucky star is every day is what I do, but. You know, it's still it's still work. You have your tasks that you need to get accomplished each day, and so that's what you come here to do. It's a beautiful office, definitely, <laughs> definitely. So we're chatting with you about Pinnacles National Park having this amazing program, and it's all about the condors. Mm-hmm. And I don't think many of us in the have seen them in this country. You know, that's sure. a special thing to see. And so the condor, I'm going to get this right, is the largest bird in North America. That's right. Yay. Okay. So we've got the largest bird, and you've got some of the largest rock formations here, too. We do. So the condors, they've always been here? Condors have been here for a long time, yeah. Um, This was one of the places that they nested in years and years ago. We know that there had been condor nests here 100 years ago. And uh, so it seems like it's definitely within within their range. It's the kind of habitat that they like. They... They nest in the rocks, they forage in the, the areas outside of the park, and so it works out really well for them here. So what happened to to them? At one point, they were in trouble, weren't they? Yeah, definitely, and they continue to be in trouble. They're, okay. they're still endangered critically. Okay. Um, you know, there's only 250 condors out in the wild in, in the world. In the world. Uh, this Seriously. is California condors, Yeah. Um, so there's not that many of them. There's about 450 total with 200 of those still in captivity. And they're in breeding programs and things like that. So um, they are critically endangered. And some of the big reasons for that, um, they started to decline pretty dramatically once Europeans hit the, the western states. And there were many folks who you know wanted to have a, a condor for their museum collection or... Um, so this is how far back are you talking? Yeah, about we're talking, you know, 1800s, mm-hmm. something okay. like that, when the first explorers were starting to come out to the western states here and seeing all the wildlife that's out here. Well, you know, everybody wants a big bird for their collection. And so there were a lot of condors that were collected for museums, um, personal collections, things like that. Uh, they were also thought to be predators, like a, an eagle. So mm-hmm. it could be that, you know, they might take your, your livestock. So they were shot because of those reasons, you know, just fear that they would be killing livestock. But they're not predators. They're not. No, okay, they are. They look more like vultures. They are. They're a type yeah. of vulture. So they're strictly scavengers. Mm-hmm. So they really only go out there and find things that have already died. Um, but unless you see that, you may think, wow, this is a huge bird. It must be able to fly away with my lamb yeah. or something like that. Um, they can't do that, but, you know. It's like the dingo ate my baby. Right, Uh-oh. yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's nothing to do with that. I, just, I don't know. I just had a crazy thought. But so this is okay. So when the ranchers came in, so then in present day, how did it start to move? Yeah. So then over time, you know, the, the condor numbers were really declining, and um, it wasn't until the '80s that they were declining to such a degree that it was decided we've got to take them all in. And at that point, they didn't know really what the main factors were that were killing condors. They just knew that year on year there were fewer and fewer condors. So every condor was taken into captivity. They started breeding them in captivity, which was really successful. And then several years later, started to release them back out into the wild. And when they released them, they put radio transmitters on every single one. So then they could keep track of all of those birds they were putting out. and. Really, the key was when one of them died, they could now radio track to that dead condor, send it in for analysis, and find out what was it that killed this bird. Uh-huh. And when they started to do that, they started to find out that many of these condors that were dying were dying of lead poisoning. And that was a kind of a surprise. Um, mm. Folks hadn't thought about that as being a possibility. And so, you know, then the question is, well, how are they getting lead? Like, mm-hmm. what, what would cause them to die of lead poisoning? And it took some thought to figure out, okay, so condors are scavengers, and what are they going to go find? You know, they're going to find things that are dead on the landscape. Well, what if those things were shot with lead ammunition? They could eat that. They might eat some of those pieces of lead that are from that ammunition and then they could get poisoning from that. And that is definitely what we see happening, is that they are getting poisoned from the bits and pieces of lead bullets that are left in a carcass if it's out on the landscape. Um, So that's happening to them. So what about vultures and other animals that might feed off, I mean, even like coyotes and things. So this is an actual major issue, not just for the condors. Yeah, so it's definitely more of a problem for condors just on a population level. Uh Mm -hmm. Um, But it does definitely affect other scavenging animals for sure. So turkey vultures die of lead poisoning. Golden eagles, bald eagles, every year there's those that are brought into wildlife rehab centers that are dying of lead poisoning. Um, It's also a problem for um, any other animal that might eat those. So yeah, a coyote could get lead poisoning. Mammals process lead in a different way than birds do. So it does seem like for mammals, it's not as acute. Okay, so and birds, because yeah, birds, I mean, that's why they take canaries into mines, right? They have that sensitivity too. Yeah, I mean, for, for birds, what happens is they... They have what's called a crop, which is a place where they can hold Mm -hmm. food Mm -hmm. and then digest it over time. Um, So like for a condor, they can go when they're on the ground feeding, they're in the most vulnerable place they can be because they're on the ground. So coyotes and mountain lions and whatever Mm -hmm. could get them there. So their main motivation is to eat as much and as fast as they can. They fill up that crop and then they can fly out of there. And over the next I know rest people of who the eat day, like that. <laughs> I know. but I haven't seen them fly. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. The rest of the day they can digest it. And um, but let's say there's little pieces of metal in there. That's going to sit there and be digested then and over go and hours and bleed hours. into their uh, system too. Yeah. yeah, and they don't necessarily get rid of all the bigger chunks of stuff like that all that often so it could be several days between casting that kind of material up so that sits in a condor's um, digestive tract and it seeps in that whole time so that's part of the problem Um, so a similar thing can happen to other birds bald eagles golden Mm. eagles turkey vultures for mammals 
we don't do things like that, right? Mm-hmm. We eat things that goes through our digestive system within a day or two, and then it's out. So yeah, for a coyote, a it could be within a day. So it's not going to be in there for as long. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the reason why it affects birds a little bit more. So lead poisoning. So was oh. that the main issue for the decline then? Was it was the lead? Okay, so what? Are, look at now because I know you're working closely with yeah. them, have, being in a safe habitat. Is that part of why this is designated wilderness area too? Because of the condors? Um, the wilderness is the the natural elements of this park, mm-hmm. and so it's it's not necessarily just because of the Congress. Okay. It's the, the whole that area around her, here. I, think. Yeah. <laughs> I love having wilderness areas. It, it, it protects everything. Yeah, you know? yeah. But so now, what what is being done about lead bullets? Because I know that there was like the Sportsman's Heritage Act that happened at one point that people were really wanting to keep lead bullets. Sure. I'm not sure where that what happened with the act at one point, but that is part of the reason we even went on the tour, was we heard oh, about right. this. There was what was going on with this and and even at that point it was like okay so why what's wrong with lead at that point we know not to have it on on our walls and paint yeah so where are we sitting now i mean is the hunting community still using lead sure yeah i mean it's definitely still used um there's been a lot of changes over time within california there's been a lot of work um towards education and outreach and encouraging hunters to trying the non-lead ammunition that's available. Uh, There's also been a huge amount of outreach in Arizona and Utah where there's condors being released there too. Mm -hmm. So working with the local hunting community, the ranching community, um, providing incentives to make the switch to using non-lead ammunition. And so there's been quite a bit of um, work done up till now to get that word out and the message out. And and we've been seeing the message starting to move on its own, too. So people are calling us sometimes saying, hey, you know, we know there's this whole thing about non-lead ammo. Are you willing to come and give us a demonstration or something like that? So there's... That's um, great, though, that yeah. you do that. Yeah. I had no idea. I mean, that, that's, that's huge. I had, you know, and I think when we think of national parks... That hummingbird's going to get one of us. He's going to zap one of us in. (laughs) You know, when we think of national parks, sometimes we don't see behind the scenes. Yeah. You know, so you think of the rangers out on the trail, they answer questions and uh, the the programs they do around the campfire, but you don't really get to know very much about behind the scenes. Right, yeah. The studies and and Actually, today has been... It's one of the biggest days for you and yeah. I in, in, on the tour so far in the parks we've been to. Because we always like to hang out with rangers. We mm-hmm. call them the rock stars of national parks. Because <laughs> yes. if you go hiking with them, they will be stopped at, uh, by everybody. <laughs> yeah. Someone sees a ranger, they're going to talk to him. But, you know, today talking with Paul, the biologist here, I mean, seeing the studying part of what's going mm-hmm. on in the parks is mm-hmm. so huge. I know there's a history side, too. Yeah. So it's it's really commendable to have that kind of outreach yeah. beyond the park boundaries. Because that's something... Right. And that, has to happen when you're talking about birds this is it does how far will a condor fly from here in the pinnacles how far out do you think they'll go so the farthest we've seen them go is about 250 miles wow yeah something like that it's quite far that is and uh, land wow. in someone's garden and freak them out yeah so from here to the coast is about um, 40, 45 miles, and they can make that trip in about an hour. 
So when you have a whole day of time out there, they can they can go a long ways. Now it's not necessarily that they go 250 miles in a straight shot. Yeah, they could do a big loop out of it, you know, and come back or come to a different area. But Sunday flight can go a long ways. (laughs) But they're not a migrating. They don't migrate, okay. no. Yeah. They just um, go for a, a joy ride. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, so, yep. so, so they go Sunday and explore flight. around. They're looking for roadkill. <laughs> yeah, I mean, part of it is searching for food, yes. um, getting to know the landscape. You know, we do see younger birds that take really long flights, and then, you know, later on, maybe they go find a nest territory that's out in one of those farther Ah. farther spots they're just getting Mm -hmm. to know the whole range yeah so you say they're just getting to know and that's something interesting because you know earlier we were chatting you were saying how you know the condors they're some of them are actually raised you know inside they're not yeah this isn't something they're raised in captivity thanks that's the word i was thinking (laughs) of and that's something unusual to have uh, an animal or bird raised in captivity then released into the wild and surviving it right yeah. What, what what makes them different, being able to do that? Um, I mean, condors are very resilient. What we've discovered mm-hmm. is that they they are pretty adaptable. Um, they go out and they f- figure it out. They're smart, for sure. Um, you know, a lot of birds have intelligence, and especially animals that are social generally have mm-hmm. are considered more intelligent because they have to be able to understand the cues that other of their kind are telling mm-hmm. them. And condors are very social. Uh, they have a hierarchy within themselves, and so they need to be able to navigate that. Mm. And it just seems like all of that allows them to figure it out. They they make the most of where they are. Do you know if they have, um, because they are a vulture, do that, yeah, I've often read about vultures that they have the capacity to eat um, diseased animals that have botulism and things like that and they won't die from it so they're actually pretty good cleanup service they are exactly yeah Yeah, they're going out there they're eating up the things on the landscape that are Mm. really gross (laughs) they're like hazmat they are (laughs) they're saving tax money (laughs) right you know they they can um work through a carcass pretty quickly so Mm -hmm. let's say it's a coyote that dies of some Mm -hmm. distemper or something like that and you know they eat that thing down well that means that maybe other dogs and things don't get those diseases by eating on that see there's always a role there is yeah Yeah, there's always a role vultures are really important Mm -hmm. yeah well speaking of that you know because they're they're of the vulture family the condors do they get along with golden eagles or do they just all kind of keep their distance from each other in general, they don't interact that much. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, if a golden eagle is feeding, the condors stay, keep their distance until mm-hmm. it's done. Sometimes a condor will flush a golden eagle off of a carcass, um, and sometimes a golden eagle will flush a condor off a carcass. So yeah. a lot of times what they do is they split up the day by the time. So condors are kind of slow to get going, generally. Golden eagles get up first thing. So you'll see on a carcass a golden eagle there, until the condors arrive, then the eagle takes off, the condors feed for a while, they leave earlier in the evening, and maybe the eagle comes back. So yeah, they, it, they split it up. There, I think, too, that there's a difference, and I'm just going back to Africa experience here, that the um, raptors have shark beaks and bills, and they can tear through the outer skin, whereas the vultures don't necessarily have that capability so sometimes a raptor comes first tears it off and they don't want to put their head inside and mm-hmm. get all gooky 
but the vultures, <laughs> well, they yeah. got those little hairy things, and they go in the carcass and come out with bits and yeah. stuff on them, and, and they, they don't care, you know. It's so, you know, nature has that role yeah. mm-hmm. that it plays. I'm going to open the can, and you go in and get the olives. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird way of saying it, but... That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, definitely condors, the, the, one of the main reasons they have mm. no feathers on their heads or, yeah, so they can get into mm-hmm. those carcasses yeah. pretty deep in there and yeah. easy to clean off their heads if yeah. they don't have feathers on them. Yeah. So what's your day like, you know, being part of this condor program? What, what is your day like? I mean, do you go out and hike up, you know, and where did, where's the best place in the park for people to see condors? Um, if you want to just say, I saw one, the, the ridge that's behind the campground is one of the best places to look for them. They will mm-hmm. often roost in the trees overnight up there. And so you can see them coming in in the evening down into those trees. Ah. However, that's pretty far away. Yeah. Um, if you really want to get an up-close view, the best place is the high peaks within the park. Um, the high peaks trail up actually in the middle of those rocks that are in the highest points. However, condors are wild animals, and mm. you never know where they're going to be. Okay, and how, you know, because you look at a vulture and you, you look at eagles and hawks, I know that they've got you know massive wing, wingspan and everything. Yeah. But what is something, you know, someone's looking up in the sky, because, you know, these are big birds, and so are the yeah. turkey vultures. How do they differentiate the difference between yeah. a condor and a turkey vulture? So it's pretty tough, especially if they're at a distance. Okay. Um, anytime you see something flying in the sky, it's going to be really hard to tell how big it is. So if a turkey vulture is closer and a condor is far away, they could look to be the same size. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really hard to tell that depth and the size based on that. So we definitely suggest that you try to see the coloration on the underside of the birds. And um, the condors have a lighter patch that's toward the front edge of their wings, while the turkey vultures have a lighter area Mm. that's toward the back. So the back of the wings on a turkey vulture is kind of silvery gray, and on condors, that lighter color is towards the front. Sometimes you can't see that, though. If all you can see is the wing shape, condors have what are called fingers. They have these Mm. real fingery-type feathers out at the very ends of their wingtips, and those usually stand out, Um, and turkey vultures don't really have that. They kind of come to more of a a point. That's a good tip. That's what their their big wings are like, come to me. I'm coming to get your care. (laughs) (laughs) So do you you go up and hike up to High Peaks a lot? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I try to get up there with some regularity. Um, That's definitely a place where we go up into the High Peaks. Whenever you're up high like that, you can get really good Mm -hmm. radio tracking signals for all the condors. Um, because every condor does have a radio transmitter. So we go up to high points just for general tracking because those are great places to be. Whenever the condors are up in the air, we're going to pick them up. So that's definitely a place we like to go. And then, of course, if the condors are around, then we can get sightings of them Mm -hmm. and record all of the information we have um, about that. And... um, so that what you do pretty much of most of the day. I'm going back to that question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So me personally, I don't do that nearly as much as I once did. But the the general idea when we're out mm-hmm. tracking the birds is, yeah, you get up high, you take signals regularly throughout the day, and try to figure out what the movements of the birds are across the landscape. Very yeah, cool. very cool. 
Wow. And so why did you become a park ranger? (laughs) (laughs) So I was really interested in doing field biology work. Mm. Um, And I ended up coming here to Pinnacles as an intern, working with the vegetation program here, and was really taken by the place. Um, The people that work here, the visitors that come here really enjoyed it. And so over the years have managed to work my way into different projects, but have been working with condors now for about nine years. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, it's a magical place and a lot of biologists here. There we're are. all biologists that we're talking to today. <laughs> yeah, this is a really unique area. So, yeah. It's got so many different species of everything. Mm-hmm. I know. I it's that so it's, diverse. It's, yeah. Yeah. Blows my it's mind. pretty neat, too, because they're... They're fairly approachable, you know, not mm-hmm. that you can like walk right up to these different things, but they're, we're a fairly small park and finding the places where those types of things would be, you know, whether it's butterflies, mm-hmm. you know, whether oh. it's the different birds that you can find, you know, the, the trails get you into those different kinds of habitats and mm-hmm. so you can find those animals and things more easily. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Right Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. That was fun. <laughs> Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.